And there came a day. A day unlike... Wait. No, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks in... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 268 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I am Brian. How you doing this week, Brian? You know what? I can't complain about this week. Uh, Good. I, 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 yeah, there's. I got a lot completed this week, which felt really, really good. So, yeah. Checking things off the list is the best thing. It is. Indeed it is. <laughs> Especially when there are things that you've been trying to get done for like a month. I was yeah. going to say, not only because it's satisfying, but it means you don't have to think about them anymore. Correct. Yeah. I uh, I am in a similar position. I got the show that I am production managing into rehearsal, which is the stage at which, like, the mad rush to help find crew and get it cast and all of that is over for me. Mm-hmm. And it's just managerial now. And then I started training... Uh, the director and production manager on the next show and kind of like new processes that the theater is building out as it reemerges from uh, the sleepy times of pandemic, let's say. And uh, got some good news about my next professional gig. So yeah. uh, all around a good week for me too. I like it. You know what else I did this week, Brian? Did you read comics? I did read comics, and we're going to talk talk about about them. them. Yeah. Yes. Great minds think alike. And then there's us, and we do too, somehow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And blind hogs occasionally find a truffle. (laughs) That one doesn't really make sense if you think about it, because that's a function of smell, not eyesight. Anyway, Save Yourself, number one. Written by Bones Leopard, with art by Kelly Matthews and Nicole Matthews, and letters by Jim Campbell. Boom has done it again. They have. Holy cow. I love it. Um, yeah, so I gotta say, I, I open the first page and it starts out with these like super, super like pixelated 8-bit graphics. Mm-hmm. Like you can't hardly read anything. I'm like, okay, surely this is not the art style for this. Yeah. I mean, like, not for the whole thing. It makes sense for what it's being. Yeah. There are but, too many colors for it to be an Atari 2600, but it's almost at that level. It is it is that that pixelated and blocky. Yeah, it it absolutely. And then then you turn the page and the colors are like those super beautifully saturated boom colors that are just like oh. <laughs> yeah. I love them. Yeah. Um I, I and and it doesn't end there. I loved everything about this book. Yeah, well, and even even that first page, I really like the video game intro as a way to give in a page yep. the backstory of this world because it's yes. an unskippable intro scene that tells you <laughs> about the uh, the trio, yes, the trio, yes, the lovely trio, the there lovely trio, yes, 
Yeah, that was that was very clever. It's like, yep, yeah, nope, you gotta have it. It's unskippable. <laughs> Apparently for the comic <laughs> also. Yes. Yeah, and then then we uh then we get our, our main character, Gigi. Who is just fantastic. She is wonderful. So we we find out kind of later in the story that something has, has happened to one of her brothers and as as a result of that, she has essentially isolated herself. Um and her other brother is attempting to bring her back out into society and and yeah by trying to trick her into speed dating <laughs> yeah like i would have done about, I, I would have done a murder <laughs> there is the yeah there's the you know you could just be like a normal person invite me to these things yeah but then when you wouldn't come okay that's true <laughs> but also what does that tell you exactly you know, and I, I will, uh, let's be honest, though, all of us have been in the situation where somebody has talked us into or convinced us to do something that we thought we didn't want to do, and then we really enjoyed ourselves. So sometimes it's, you know, you got to take the good and the bad with that, I guess. Sure. He says 268 episodes later. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it on the recording, but you know. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then on her way there, she bumps into somebody. Yes. Somebody that she soon will know. Somebody that she soon will know. Yeah, I think it was sort of number two. That would have been much worse. <laughs> Um, yeah, then we get, then we get a quick introduction. I won't go through all of them, uh, of the, some of the folks in the, in the coffee shop where her, uh, that her brother owns just again, just a wonderful cast of characters. Then she kind of runs into and finds herself in the middle of a battle, uh, battle site of the lovely trio that everyone loves. And as part of that witnesses, something that she was not supposed to. That would be one of them basically killing a human to drain them of life energy to power themselves. Yep, that's what happened. And uh, then they were looking around for her and could not find her. So, hmm. yeah. Uh, but yeah, essentially then she ends up um, uh, uh, meeting the same person that she ran into earlier. And uh, they are wonderful. Their name is Mia. Um, and I, I love Mia. Mia is amazing. And, you know, we just kind of get an introduction at that point of maybe a little bit of what might be going on, uh, which is, you know, not what everybody thinks it is. And then that's that's kind of the end of this issue. Yeah, it very much reads as like a queer all ages relationship comic. Yeah. Against the backdrop of evil magical girls. Yes. With with alien shark dragons. Also, alien shark dragons. We can't yes. forget the alien shark. No, do dragons. not forget the alien shark dragons. They're they're pretty amazing. Yeah, I, the colors, the art, the the characters. I, this was just another boom hit for me. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely adore the coloring in here. How about Catwoman number thirty two? Oh man. Um. Every time this, I cannot remember his name. Who is the the. The guy that's hunting her, uh, Father Valley. Father Valley. Every time he shows up, I just like cringe. You know the uh, uh, the trick for remembering his name. What's that? You just have to think of Jean Paul Valley. Ah, there you go. Okay. Yeah. There you go. That makes sense. 
Surely there's no connection there. No, of course not. Of We're course definitely not, not going to read about that in two weeks in the Catwoman annual. <laughs> um, and this is essentially him and uh, some other people who are who are after Selena, um, questioning <laughs> using their different methods, questioning different people uh, from Selena's past or that are involved with Selena. And each of these people that are being questioned tell a story about, oh, who is the real Selena? You know, who, who what, what is the story of Selena? And they each kind of give a different take on, you know, a story of hers. Yeah. And the, it was it was really fun. Um, I, I think the one I liked the most was um, I, was it the kids who told the story about getting um, uh, getting the the contraband back to the. Yeah, Selena yeah. memorizing the uh, sewers. Yeah. yeah, as as a little kid, like I I loved that one. That was great. Yeah, um, but all of all of these, all of these were were pretty amazing. No, I absolutely adore this. And like each of these stories builds to a different conclusion about who mm -hmm. is the real Selena. Everyone's yep. answer is different in a way that like kind of fits and also kind of contradicts. Yes. Well, it, you you very clearly see that it is, you know, them seeing their part of the elephant, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. I want to talk about Evan Cagle's art. Yes. Which is fantastic, especially with Jordi Belair's colors. I was going to say, and Jordi Belair knocked it out of the park with the coloring on it, too. Uh, we should also say, of course, this was written by Rom V and lettered yep. by Tom Napolitano. Yes. Everything good. Everything. Yeah, but I this love art. Those, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna call out the letterer here because them little those kind of lavender boxes with the white text, super easy to read, super easy on the eyes. Loved it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know how to say enough good about this art though. Like, mm -mm. Rom V tweeted Monday or so of last week that like he was so excited for this issue to come out because Evan Cagle was going to be everybody's new favorite artist. And you know what? Uh, this is a very strong case in favor of that. That There's one page where Selena is essentially standing there pointing a gun at like a mafia boss. Mm -hmm. And there's like an inset page that has this close-up of this mask that she's wearing. Yes. It's just gorgeous. I mean, even like Selena doing the almost like Dark Knight Strikes Back, Dark Knight Returns, mm -hmm. uh, like leap against a lightning sky is yeah. like, it feels different than that cover. It's not just homage, but it's that idea. And like, it's super color saturated and inky and just gorgeous. Yeah, All around. And like the close up is... of her sister looks amazing. Like everything, everything mm -hmm. is great. I love all of it. The Flash, number 771. Written by Jeremy Adams, with art by Kevin McGuire, Howard Porter, Barrett Pekmeshi, Brian Hitch, Max Rayner, Scott Collins, Tom Derenick, Fernando Passerine, Eau Claire Albert, and Brandon Peterson. Colors by Michael Atia and letters by Steve Wands. <laughs> yeah, I made a joke. We were talking, we were texting back and forth earlier and i told alex something about yeah i can do that time that's fine but you're filling in the art team for flash <laughs> on the notes which is funny for two reasons one i always fill in the art teams yes exactly uh two 
that is like the sixth longest art team <laughs> of the week. I hope you guys enjoy listening to me reading off people's names. Because that's going to um, be a good third of this episode. Oh, my word. Well, and the, the reason that it was so funny is I, I happened to have opened that, and I was looking at that title page right when I got the text from Alex, and I was like, oh, oh my God, there's so many artists in this book. Yeah. And, and little did I know, <laughs> little did I know that was not even close. I actually, Brian doesn't know this. Uh, I tried to be a smartass about it and just like, screen cap the the creative team from the preview but when i did that it was white letters on yellow text which is perfectly readable in print it is it is. but on the screen by the time i that's took hilarious. a screen cap and dropped it in i was like there's no way i can read this smoothly that's like that great that's great that being said the art in this is outstanding it really is we have a large creative team here because yeah. While we spend most of our time in uh, the parallel world of Super Friends, this does see an almost uh, montage-style hopping from world to world, and each world has its own art style. Yes. Keeping in, in with, with kind of the theme of this yeah, art. In addition to, again, the modern day with uh, with Oliver and Barry and uh, uh, Mr. Terrific. Yeah. Mr. Terrific, who now fears for his life after uh, everyone waited too long to call Linda Park. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, yeah, but the, uh, the the Legion of Doom uh, Super Friends is is pretty amazing. It's it's fantastic. I love especially the the part where Wally kind of turns everybody back on Lex. Lex, yeah. When when Lex kind of tries to get them to turn on Wally, he's like, you know, Lex doesn't trust any of you, right? He's probably got secret files on all of you. Well, what I love is it's like, it's exactly the thing, you know, the Batman thing, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, oh, yeah. exactly. It's Tower of Babel, 100%. Yep. Yeah, uh -huh. that, that, and... <laughs> And so he, he's like, you probably got files on everybody. He's like, no, 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 no. And Cheetah's like, you do, don't you? And I can smell if you're lying. He's like, you can't smell. That's not one of your powers to smell if people are lying. How do you know that? Because it's not in your file. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's wonderful. And somehow, somehow despite half of this issue taking place, in Super Friends. That's not even the highlight of this issue. No. Nope, which is right. Wally's dinner with Irie. Yeah. So Wally jumps forward into Jai's body and Irie's. What I love is clearly they had set this up because they didn't know. Well, I guess they did know which body because turns out that, that Wally tells them this story yeah. all the time. Right. But still, still, Irie is like, yeah, you jumped into Jai's body, which, by the way, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 She's heard this story so many times that she, like, knows this is going to happen and knows exactly what she has time to tell Wally and what he needs to hear. And, and... what she should and shouldn't say. Yes. Yeah. He wants to know about their lives and their families and... She's like, yeah, I, I probably should have taken off the ring. Well, tell me about Jai. Is Jai seeing anyone? Mm, well, let's just say you don't like her. Oh, I think I've met her already. Oh, no, that's not the one that she says. That she, she says that he, probably, he doesn't really like her husband. Oh, I thought, okay. Yeah, no, the one, the one, she's like, yeah, Jai's dating this girl. Um, 
she's kind of a time traveler, and I think you've worked together before. That's and, right. Uh, it's like, oh, I think I just met her. Yeah, it's Gold Beetle. Yeah, it's 100%. Yes, and I love it. I love it. I am super curious who Irie marries, though. <laughs> it's Red X. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> it's Roy Harper. No! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's pretty wonderful, though. Uh, yeah that that was that was amazing. Yeah, and uh, we are building toward the finale of this arc, which will also be in an annual in a couple of weeks, which is forcing Wally to deal with heroes in crisis. Which I would say at this point, this book has earned good faith. Like I, I, am, I, I, I am. trust Jeremy Adams and yeah. friends to handle this well and then move us past it. I am concernedly hopeful. That's a real phrase. It is now. It is. And now. maybe an episode title if we don't say anything funny. Ah, uh, I like it. Nightwing 81, written by Tom Taylor, art by Bruno Redondo, colors by Adriano Lucas, letters by Wes Abbott, and containing the best t-shirt in any comic this week. Uh, this, this for, uh, for not any single thing. But, like, there were, like, three different things about this issue that, when all combined, I'm like, well, crap. Now, I think this is my favorite thing I read this week. Holy crap. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, my God. It was so good. Um, Yeah, so uh, Nightwing is fighting uh, Heartless, right? Yes. And we find out that Heartless is a super-powered individual. Um, as, as Dick puts it. Uh, he has the uh, he has the ability, but not the he hasn't put the work in. He doesn't have the training. Yeah, so, yeah. He's strong. He's invulnerable, or not maybe you know resistant, but uh, hasn't bothered to learn how to fight. Um, he resists bludgeoning, piercing, and uh, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing right. damage. Oh, oh, he's a barbarian. How about that? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no. So uh, Dick gets hit in the head by him. And then, you know, proceeds to at some point pass out. Because so, of the whole getting shot in the head thing. the whole thing. getting shot in the head thing. So, so, like, you know, taking blows to the head is not good. But then comes what is absolutely the Brian's quote of the week here. Brian's quote of the week. Quote, quote. So, uh, yeah. So, he, he recovers and uh, Tim is there and Barbara is there. And uh, Tim goes, yeah, um, you know. You you got hit punched by a supervillain after being shot in the head, and uh, Tim goes, "Yeah, Bitewing was pretty worried about you, uh, Bitewing. That's actually a great name, but uh, but but her name is Haley." <laughs> and Tim goes, "You're you're telling the people in this room that we can't have two names." And Barbara goes, "I have three. <laughs> <laughs> so Bitewing as the name of the puppy is yeah. As the as the alternative <laughs> hero code name for the puppy, Alter Ego. Oh, I love that so much, Bitewing. Ah, uh, yeah, that's great. That's yeah, great. I uh, I don't want to say what Babs's T-shirt is, but if you are if you are wanting to do like a casual Barbara Gordon cosplay, you need this T-shirt. <laughs> I mean. Some would argue that you need this t-shirt anyway, just... <laughs> just because, <laughs> just yeah. Just because, that's, yes. That's actually a really valid argument. Uh, 
but this now, is also... but now you can wear it as a Barbara cosplay. Yes. Yeah. Um. This is also, of course, the issue where Melinda Zuko gets sworn in as mayor of Bluthaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we learn. Dick learns, uh, um, not only that has she been sworn in, but she was in fact raised by the Maroni crime family. Yeah. Which is somehow worse than being a Zuko. Well, so he goes to he goes to look around because, you know, for those of you who do not remember, Zuko is the person that shot and killed his parents. Not yes. to be confused with Danny Zuko, no, who that's is... from Greece, uh, yes. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my god. No. Well, oh, well, uh. All I, can, all I can think of is is Dick going somewhere and somebody breaking into summer loving. Now I just can't. Look, <laughs> it's it's not too late to cast John Travolta <laughs> as the man who kills Richard and Mary Grayson. <laughs> Word. Uh, um, yeah, so what shocked me, so he goes to, uh, against everyone's better judgment, except, you know, his, he he goes to investigate and uh, gets hit in the head again. <laughs> By someone who does know how to fight. By someone who does know how to fight. Um, wakes up tied up, uh, under the, con- you know, in the, in the, captured by, uh, uh, Zuka, what's her uh, what's her first name? Maria? Uh not Maria. Um I said it a moment ago, Brian. Did. Weren't you paying and attention? I... I can't I can't get past Danny now. <laughs> <laughs> Melinda. Melinda. I was like, that's yeah, Melinda Zuko. So wakes up in Melinda's clutches, so to speak, and realizes that he's tied to a chair and his mask is not on. Dun, dun, dun. So that was the big thing. It was like, oh shit, this new mayor, Mayor Zuko, is now going to know that he is Dick Grayson. And then there's an even bigger reveal that we will not spoil because Tom Taylor has asked on Twitter that no one spoil the last page yeah, of this book. I, I would not anyway because it Me neither, is but... 100% a you must read this. I, I appreciate Tom Taylor looking out for everybody. Yeah. Oh, so good. So, so I, it, this new Nightwing story, this uh, everything in the last like four issues, I am just over the moon with. This is like same, possibly the best Nightwing ever. Love Agreed. It. Static season one, number one, written by Vita Ayala, art by Chris Cross and Nicholas Draper Ivy, with letters by And World Design. So, Brian, what is your history with Static? Uh, very, very little, honestly. Mine is the cartoon. Okay. Uh, which I feel like is probably not an uncommon history to have with the character. No, I think there's a lot of people who are going to be that way. I think regardless of your background with Static, it is probably safe to say this book is amazing. Yeah, I would I would 100% agree with that. I, I Even somebody who didn't really know this character. Like, I knew... I knew his name. I had a general idea of his power set. I th- Like, wasn't there a 52... Um, static. Um, there was at the very beginning of New Fifty Two. There was a static book. I think it lasted about eight to twelve issues. I think I read like the first two or three of those, maybe. Yeah, and that's probably the extent of my real exposure. I I don't know what 
happened with that book. I know that there were some rights issues around the time with the Milestone characters and DC's use of them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like that was maybe a little later. I don't know. I, I feel like I've only ever heard speculation about what happened at the time but not any actual like yeah this is this is why this book was cut short uh but it was it was cut short i don't think it got even a real ending yeah that being said reading this i really really honestly maybe even more than the main character himself i love all of the characters around him yeah it it feels in a way like more like a really smart adaptation than a reboot. And that may be my perspective knowing it from a different medium. But between this issue and what we saw in Milestone Returns, it's bringing in a very sort of contemporary worldview. Mm-hmm. The the Milestone Returns issue references the Black Lives Matter marches from last summer. That's now where Virgil gets his powers uh, as a result of the police using an untested gas to try to break up the crowd. But it's a version of Virgil who like is conscious of his anger and who is trying very hard, like to keep himself in check. Who's like trained in martial arts with his dad and has, it seems like a really good relationship with his family, but who's kind of struggling to keep it together and just having a harder time now because of what he's been through both the events of that day and also having these powers that, the first thing he does with is is lose control of and almost kill someone at school. So I, I, I can point to different things in this that made me, um, that called to mind other books. Like, for instance, there's some things that very clearly, and like part of that is like dealing with his powers that kind of uh, reminded me a bit of like Black Lightning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is the family aspect that kind of makes me think of Kamala Khan. Yeah. A bit. And then there's like the friends at school and that whole the whole school thing that makes me kind of think of Miles Morales a bit. Well, and I think like the reason in part those those characters come to mind is I think one of the things that worked so well about the mm-hmm. cartoon is how fleshed out that supporting cast is. Right. And it's clear that that's a priority here from reading it. It's a clear that, that, that that's been a priority for Nicholas Draper Ivy, like building out character designs and tweeting about his influences and like different actors or characters who each character is kind of loosely modeled on combinations of. Yep. Um, it's, it's so well designed and it feels so lived in. Yeah, and what I was going to say, though, is I don't want that to sound like I'm saying I think it's derivative of any of those, because it takes aspects of those or, like, the ideas about those, but it is absolutely its own thing, and certainly the way it combines them is is its own thing. Well, it it works in the same way those books work. It does. Those those titles are a good touchstone in that way, because... One of the things that is a struggle with newer characters, and in the grand scheme of things, while Milestone's been around 30 years, there have been large stretches of time where these characters haven't had books and haven't right. been in in the spotlight. And I think to some degree it's true that like as as characters with smaller histories, with smaller bodies of of content behind them, you don't usually see supporting casts built out this well this quickly. Miles does it well. 
Miss Marvel does it well. This does it well. And I think that part of the reason those books work as points of comparison is because there are tools that the, the creators behind those have used that are the same tools that this creative team uses to immediately make the world feel like it has stakes. I mean, the, the first issue ends with what I would call personal tragedy, right? Something yeah. that is no fault of Virgil's, but that he will feel responsible for. Yes. And that will change things for his family. And, like, building those stakes requires that kind of supporting cast, I think, for the, the reader to buy in. Yeah, right. Like if you don't, if you don't feel like he has a strong connection with his with his parents and his sister, then when this tragedy happens, you're not going to feel it the same way. Right? Yeah. Yep. And like we see his relationship to them in flashbacks before he got his powers versus after. We see. I think it's really smart. We see his two best friends in high school only in the context that they're kind of scared of him now, and he knows it, and he's trying to avoid that. So he's. He's pushing them away a little bit so he doesn't have to face that. It's it's from a place of genuine worry. Yes. And concern, but like, they are also, they're worried that he'll do something that he can't come back from, whether yeah, he means to I, or I not. I think one of them said essentially, we're not afraid of you, we're afraid for you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But he sees that fear as fear of him. Yeah, he does. He does. Because in a way, like that that's what this book is about, is he's afraid of himself. Mm, he is having uh, to come yeah. to terms with that. Well, he talks several times about how it feels like it's just inside him trying to trying to work its way out and burst its way out and he doesn't know how long he can control it. Yeah. Yeah. So I loved it. Loved it very, very much. I love the art in this too. Yes. I I know I've been banging the Nicholas Draper Ivy drum. Uh so Crisscross did breakdowns and Nicholas Draper Ivy did finishes and colors. So the finished art is very much Draper Ivy. Um and I've been following him on Twitter and looking at his his sort of work in progress pages and character designs and just I feel like this guy is going to be everywhere. I, I can easily see why he would be. Yeah, this is this is amazing. And there's like like there's once there's I will give credits to like the layouts and the story too. Oh yeah, and absolutely. That, just because like there's one where there's like it's like you know before this event right, and it's got the 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 family at dinner, and there's these inset panels where they have this conversation, and then you turn to the next two page spread, and it's essentially that exact same layout. Mm -hmm now and like how their dinner is but just that contrast of those two pages and the color different like everything about that's just very cool yeah and uh this is not going to be the first or last time we say this but vita ayala is one of the best writers in <laughs> yeah. comics yeah uh and they knock it out of the park here like, no doubt no doubt i love it i am excited for more and i hope everybody reads this so that we get more than six issues, so that we get a static season two. Uh, I will also note, if you are a DC Universe Infinite subscriber, this book is already available on there. So if you oh, have that nice. subscription, you can read it. I actually read it on Tuesday. I go to the comic shop on Wednesdays. I read it on Tuesday, because that was the day it came out, and I had uh, that subscription, and then got my physical copy the next day. All right. But uh, it is there, so don't don't sleep on it if you have access to that okay jupiter's legacy requiem number one brian yeah this is uh, written obviously by mark miller and uh the i think they're listed as the illustrator so art and colors are tommy lee edwards and then uh the letters are john workman 
Uh, this is essentially the third piece, the third volume of the trilogy that is Jupiter's, you know, legacy circle, whatever. Um, he and and Mark talks a little bit about it in the pack about how it was always intended to have like a present day and then a past and now the future. And so this is set like uh, I want to say like twenty twenty five years something like that in the future. Um, so. Like it, it, it very much has their kids grown. So, like these are the grandkids of the original characters that we saw, right? Um, cool. And uh, you know, much like with a family that is now at the third generation of this, you know, there's more of them, um, mm-hmm. and they, you know, have more distinct personalities, and in some cases are um more comfortable right because like they've had this this is all they've known growing up kind of thing yeah right um it's like people treat technology differently because that's all they've known (laughs) they are all very much still people and that is very part of this and so they're all still screwed up and (laughs) make mistakes and you know uh yeah um it's 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 real good though i really really like it um uh, yeah, art's beautiful. Story's great. Um, we're we're gonna find out more about what all this. There's a couple of things that are kind of terrifying that we find out what actually may have happened on the island, or we start to find out what happened on the island. Uh, and man, this uh, it's gonna be a ride. I can't wait. Did Tommy Lee Edwards do Mother Panic? Uh, I think he might have. Yes. I think that sounds right. Uh, the art, uh, I, and from the art, I could I could believe that, yeah. Yep, he did. Uh-huh. Cool. I did dig the art of that book. I dug everything about that book. Yeah, like I said, this is really good. Especially, I mean, if you've read the first two, you're obviously going to read this one. Um, yeah. Because, like I said, it finishes it. But um, uh, if not, honestly, I think you owe it to yourself. And if you have only seen the Netflix show, just know that, you should still read the, the 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 comics, Jupiter's Legacy and Jupiter's Circle. Cool. So, yeah. Demon Days, Mariko number one. Story and art by Peach Momoko. English adaptation and dialogue by Zach Davison. And letters by Ariana Marr. Brian made the comment as we were prepping uh, that when this comes out in a collection, he's going to have to buy it. As like a coffee table display, I think we're were your exact words. Yes. And let me say, uh, Marvel, if you are listening, the largest format you are happy to publish this in will be sufficient. Thank you. Indeed. Uh, Give us one of those treasury editions. I'll be here for it. Give us just one of the oversized hardcovers. I'll be here for that. So, so... Um, Peach Momoko has done a lot of covers recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's there's a lot of artists who, like, what they do takes time. The way they, they draw, right, takes time. She, she, they very clearly one of those. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of those tend to gravitate toward covers as cover artists, right? Um, Art Germs, another one that comes to mind. Yeah. Um, the fact that she is doing this entire book is just uh, it, I, I, it, my jaw just drops every time I I, get, I open this book. Yeah, I it, mean, and that's that's the thing, right? Like, 
artists who work in that level of detail comic pages take time and if you can get cover rates to work at that level of detail absolutely go for it but i love seeing artists who mostly get their work through covers Mm -hmm. getting even even a miniseries i feel like a miniseries is perfect right because it's a specific amount it's controlled and i they can do the whole thing toe to tip isn't this coming out like every other month even yes yeah so i mean even like that giving them more time for each individual issue but like i do i think it's very very special and yeah i mean it 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 shows because this again i i just I, i could just open this and just stare at it yeah it's like that time Mark Brooks did the interiors for a Han Solo book, and George Lucas just bought all the pages to the first <laughs> issue. First two issues, maybe the whole series. I don't know. I know at least the first issue or two. Yeah, and here's the here. The, let's uh, let's not forget though. The story's real cool. It is. Yeah. But I like we're we're at a totally different point in time. What we saw in the first issue. Mm-hmm is now legend it's lore it's a world forgotten and like that makes the structure of this make sense that these are all just kind of one shots Mm -hmm. as opposed to a series like it feels fleeting and ephemeral in that way that myth is exactly the uh the adapter zach davison was tweeting this week about what his role in the process is and i think it's maybe worth talking about that a little bit too uh, he's not translating, per se. He gets the art, and he gets the Japan the, the notes in Japanese from Peach Momoko, and actually then generates the dialogue and script based on that, and works with her from her notes to come up with the English script. So he's a little more involved than just translating, right? He is essentially co-writing for the english right like almost rewriting for english which is a very different process yeah yeah and i think that's very very cool um what 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 happens in this one who is mariko um we find out that she is actually the child of an oni and um there is another oni who wants her killed essentially to to take her life force and uh, so she begins to claim her inheritance. Um, she finds out that both her grandmother, um, who tried to, uh, I, I guess you could say hide hide this from her, but really just not like from a, oh, I don't want you to ever find this out, but more like a, I want you to have as normal a life as possible. Yeah, well, and it was like her grandmother found her right. in the woods with her dead mother's body yeah so it was definitely like uh this is traumatic and i want you to have a normal life i don't want you to have to deal with this until you're ready exactly in a Um, in a very valid way (laughs) that and then uh you know the fact that her um her essentially her nanny for this entire time has been uh uh black widow yes yeah yes uh, Which we got that tease at the end of the last issue, right? The the we hourglass did. hair clip. Mm-hmm. But we uh, we we get to see her a little bit in action in this one, and it's uh, it's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I, I I feel like the present of this issue is more or less where we'll spend at least the next issue of this. Right, mm-hmm. the next issue feels like a pretty direct follow up. I think so. Um, 
I feel like the the cover we saw there was a tease of like was that supposed to be like a Spider Gwen analog the the kind of white hood and pink detail? Uh, I think so, and there's clearly a mystique mm-hmm. in there, right? Uh, maybe a saber tooth analog yeah. of some sort. Yeah. So bringing back some of those X Men threads as well. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, please buy this. Please, I mean, you owe it to yourself to buy this book. Heroes Reborn number seven. Main feature is The World of No Return, written by Jason Aaron, art by Aaron Cooter, colors by Dean White, and letters by Corey Pettit. The, uh, squadron has a meeting. Yeah, they do. They are meeting to discuss, what are these Avengers everybody is talking about? Yeah, so we've had each of our individual issues where we've, you know, focused on a character. So this is now, um, the, the, the whole team coming together and they have all either had run-ins with something or have heard rumors of this thing called the Avengers and yeah they're trying to figure out a what it is b what they're going to do about it yeah and like I like the way this issue is structured because it is going back to all the teases we have seen in the first six and giving us the sort of very Batman investigation of what all these pieces mean and how how these breadcrumbs flow together and like ultimately lead them to Wakanda's doorstep. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is, of course, the last issue of Heroes Reborn. But as I think we kind of expected, Heroes Return next week is really the last issue of this story. It, it is, yeah, yeah, very clearly. It, it is not the story is not done in this. Yeah. Um. So don't don't let the name throw you. You definitely want to pick that one up next week. Uh, do you want to talk about The President's Best Friend? Holy crap. Um, Written by Jason Aaron, pencils by Ed McGinnis, inks by Mark Morales, colors by Matthew Wilson, and letters by Corey Pettit. As a side note, a book with both Dean White and Matthew Wilson coloring, yes please, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's just say Vice President Thunderbolt Ross and... Uh, White House Press Secretary J. Jonah Jameson. Have a bad Look, day. <laughs> they needed this like they needed a hole in the head. <laughs> well, guess they did need one of those because uh, <laughs> yeeks. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, we know who is behind all of this anyway. We know this, yeah. from, right? Um, I actually revisited some of Aaron's Avengers run over the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Uh, Honestly, I was trying to look for a specific page that I thought was in, like, issue 5 or 6, and it was in issue 20. So, I revisited a lot of this series not meaning to. Um, But we've seen... I think we saw this character uh, back in, like, issue 18 for the first time. Uh, The Squadron Supreme stuff goes all the way back to issue 10. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's essentially, uh, Mephisto's Hellhound. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the page I was looking for is an aside, Brian. You know this because I texted you to ask where this page was, and then I found it before you could mm-hmm. respond. Uh, was the page where Daredevil, while hearing everything in the Nine Ten Realms, uh, warns Jennifer Walters of a number of things that will happen. And I think maybe there's one thing that hasn't happened yet, but 
just about everything that he named has happened now. So uh, those were not not made up things. Those have all been like individual storylines in Avengers. Wow. All right. Yep. Uh, we also have Heroes Reborn, Weapon X, and Final Flight One Shot. Written by Ed Brisson, art by Roland Boshi, colors by Chris O'Halloran, and letters by Corey Pettit. So um, we get kind of the 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 where this story takes off from in as like a, a two page spread in the Heroes Reborn number seven. Yeah, and um, I like that this is basically Death of Superman, right? Oh, like sure. the timeline. That's the right timing for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind I kind of wish we had a little more view of the world wall. Hyperion was dead. Yeah, because it does kind of skip over that. Um, but in general, I dug this as like a parallel to that. But holy cow, do they do they capture the um the 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 horrible sadness and tragedy that is always Alpha Flight? Yeah, for real. Oh my word. Uh, it is uh, the, the other thing. It, it, just in case you're wondering about uh, if this is a death of Superman parallel, um, it, Hyperion is killed by Wolverine, right? And um, actually, I would say probably more Weapon X than Wolverine. Um, yeah, and you know he's got like these kind of spikes, metal spikes sticking out of his shoulders and body, and like well, and the title of the book is Weapon X and correct. Final Flight. Yeah. But, These are both uh, good that, indicators. But I'm saying specifically the the spikes are very reminiscent of, to think of Doomsday. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yep. They're like the nuts and bolts that Wolverine has when he claws out of the tank. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know, the very very Alpha Flight betrayal and tragedy and it doesn't end well and <laughs> all of that. Yeah. I also like the little nod to uh, Old Man Logan of Canada is now the wasteland Mm -hmm. because American imperialism, they uh, followed through with that whole 5440 or fight thing, as it turns out. Yeah. And next week, we will have a full Heroes Reborn wrap up. Uh, We're going to do this a little differently. We've teased this. Yeah. uh, But barring any. Last minute changes, we will be joined by Case Aiken, who is one of the hosts of Men of Steel on Certain Point of View, uh, our our podcast network that we are a member of as well. And uh, he has way more knowledge of Heroes Reborn than we do, so we thought it would be fun to get him to come on and talk with us about the event as a whole, as well as, like, why use the title, right? Like, right. what's the relationship to to previous Heroes Reborn? So uh, I'm excited for that. We've got that scheduled and uh, actually I've had that in the hopper for longer than this book has been coming out. <laughs> and so. and I should have, uh, I'm going to count on Alex to post it somewhere. My, um, my table of how characters and s- stories and teams and all of that relate to, um, to DC analogs. Yes. Yeah. Coming soon on Panelology. There you go. We also had Venom number 35, or depending on how you're counting, 200, come out this week. This was written by Donny Cates with Philip Kennedy Johnson. 
with pencils by Ryan Stegman, Kev Walker, Danilo Espe, Ruth Ron Lim, Gui Villanova, Gerardo Sandoval, and Mark Bagley. With inks by J.P. Meyer, Jay Leaston, Kev Walker, Danilo Espe, Ruth, Scott Hanna, Gui Villanova, Gerardo Sandoval, Victor Nava, and John Dell. Colors by Frank Martin, Chris O'Halloran, Jim Campbell, Matt Milla, Alex Sinclair, Chris Sotomayor, and Richard Eisenhoff. And letters by Clayton Cowles. Wow. Kind of kind of feel sad for old Clayton Cowles, like he had to do all those letters himself. <laughs> I mean, you know what? <laughs> eighty pages is eighty pages, and that money will spend. I guess so. I guess so. It just no, it just cracks me up that you know, like the, everybody <laughs> yeah. else has, you know, like fourteen members, and it's like, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, and Peggy, exactly. It's great. It's great. Uh, so. I feel like we haven't talked a ton about Venom lately, although that may just be, it's been a minute since 34 came out. But this is the last issue of Kate's run. Uh, I also think this sets up the Extreme Carnage event that Philip Kennedy Johnson is going to be writing, uh, which, if that is the case, apparently will feature uh, Flash Thompson, who I am always a fan of in, in Venom Land. But overall, this is... This is not your, like, we're going to have a big milestone issue and tell 20, 25 pages of story and then just do backups, which is fun. Don't get me wrong. I love anthology storytelling. But this is actually 80 pages of what is going on, what is the future for Eddie and Venom and Dylan. And one of the things we see is Eddie settle into godhood. Eddie is basically omnipresent across the universe. Anywhere there is a symbiote, except his, he can uh, basically remote pilot it. He is connected to all of them. He can control them if they let him. He does let them let him. He does not wrest control from them. But he can see through their eyes. He can fight all these cosmic horrors uh, simultaneously. And it has aged him into an old man. Mm -hmm. And it's very much about him finding his place and finding peace in his place. Uh, more than I think you typically see in comic books, it feels like the end of a book for Eddie. Sure, yes, there are plenty of ways in the future that Eddie Brock could return as as Venom in a more traditional capacity. But this doesn't put the toys back in the box. And this sets up a new status quo for Venom uh, that I think we will see carry forward into what Al Ewing and Rom V are going to be doing uh, starting, I think, in September is when that run begins. Mm -hmm. And I'm really actually excited to see what goes on. I think it will be, I think it will be a good fresh starting point for kind of this corner of the Marvel universe in a way that I don't think it's ever had before. Well, you know what? And I don't think this is just, I'm going to step back for a minute. I don't think it's just Venom. I think DC and Marvel both have been far more willing in the last year, two years to, even if they put characters kind of back in a box, it's a different box. Yeah. Like, well, 
they're not being afraid to make long, what seem like long lasting, in some cases, permanent changes. Right. And I guess I should call spoilers at this point, because I think I can give some context to the big change here. Uh, And I'd like to talk about it, but I do think if you plan to read this, skip this. Like, jump forward. I'm vamping a little bit so you've got time to grab your, your phone or whatever and jump forward to the next section. But jump forward. There's a new host in the Venom symbiote, and it's Dylan. Which means that now we're going to have a younger kid Venom ostensibly out in space. Because that's what the cover to the new Venom number one is. And while he can communicate back and forth with Eddie, presumably, the the tr- the classic Venom symbiote isn't in the hive anymore. He's not connected. So there's a very much, I think, a passing of the torch in this that feels like... I don't think in the ten years I've been reading comics that there has been what has felt like a long-term this character could wear this costume from now on now, like Wally West to Barry Allen. Mm-hmm. Uh, which admittedly is a rare thing, right? Like there yeah. are very few, there are very few characters who get a title and get to hold it indefinitely. You have some flashes and some green lanterns and that's more or less the limit. of. I it. guess Robins, but yeah. Yeah. In a way, right. in a fashion. Uh, yeah. I was going to say yeah. that's a little different, but not Batman's. No, right, right, yeah, no. And you get, we have more than one Spider-Man now, which I love Miles. Uh, so, like, maybe that's the closest thing in that time. I mean, Miles, Miles was, I think, even a little before I started reading. But this, I don't know, this could be, like, a big sea change for Venom and I think, a really exciting way. Uh, it also teases that the threads that were set up with the Maker in this run feel like they will become in the next maybe even couple of years it may be a slow burn but will become like a big event level thing that has to be dealt with uh we're in spoiler talk so i i can say like the the thing that venom learns and warns the avengers of is this reed richards wants to rejoin the council of reeds and to do so has to bring back the ultimate universe and his plan is to do it by taking over the 616 universe and going to war with the whole universe. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. Um, so there are some implications of this book, uh, but I'm really excited to see where they go. Like it's a really strong last issue, but it's the last issue that makes me excited for what comes next. All right. Now we turn our attention to Krakoa. Wow. This is uh this is, this is a, this next one's a huge book. One might say it is, I don't know, giant size. Does that feel big enough, Brian? No, it doesn't. I would say like planet size. Ah, this is a book a Galactus could devour. There you go. This is Planet Size X Men number one, written by Jerry Duggan, with art by Pepe Larraz, colors by Marte Gracia, letters by Clayton Cowles, and design by Tom Muller. Hey, shout out Tom Muller for your big red circle. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Chestnut checkers. <laughs> Chestnut checkers. I love it. Um, yeah, it turns out when you have uh, when you figured out how to um, chain mutant powers together, and you have people like Osei Magneto and all of these uh, incredibly powerful, you can do some pretty amazing things with that. One might say you can move mountains. 
or, you know, increase the density of a planet's core. Enough to the point that it would be able to sustain an atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, say, maybe the planet formerly known as Mars. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Just maybe. (laughs) Just maybe. Uh, Mars is now planet Araco. Yeah. Um, wow. That, that's that's some fireworks there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh the the thing about this book, right, like it actually in a way kind of defies talking about because so much of what this issue is mm-hmm. is just explaining how. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I some, love it for like... that. Like it's fascinating watching the sort of imagined process of how do they do this? How do they have all the pieces? How does Magneto pull this off in less than two weeks? <laughs> we we learn in this issue that it has been from from the end of Ten of Swords to the mm-hmm. Hellfire Gala is two, two weeks. weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like there's a there's a couple of like little uh, flashback scenes where like there's one where Steve calls out Scott. Right, mm-hmm. and they go meet, and and Steve is, you know, Captain America's like, your landmass has more than doubled in size, and now we're reading this huge population, and what's going on? Uh, is this something we need to be concerned about? Because people are going to be concerned about this. What? And Scott's like, are you coming to the gala event? Can you just give us a couple of weeks, and I think you'll uh, we'll explain everything. <laughs> I'm coming now. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but um yeah, I guess TLDR um the Araco part of Krakoa Araco uh was teleported Okara. Huh? The combined landmass is called Okara. Correct. Um but it was Araco that was it wasn't Krakoa still on yeah. Earth, yeah. The the Araco part of Okara there you goes go. to Mars. There you go. Krakoa remains on Earth. There you go. As um, they put it in the issue, and this is my favorite line, Alex's uh, quote of the week. Quote, quote. They're an archipelago across the stars. <laughs> there you go. Which is like, I love, I love like a good poetic turn of phrase that's also literal. Mm-hmm. Like that makes me happy. Yeah. So they they have taken this entire, you know, so which we we know that Araka was larger than the Krakoan piece, right? Yes. Um and it has now been teleported to Mars and is the you know the 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 starting point of a whole new uh planet that is the planet Araco. Yes. Now. It is it is described as Krakoa paying its debt to Araco for mm-hmm. helping in Ten of Swords. Yes. Uh helping everyone survive and make it through. And we we should probably point out um, it's not just the planet Araco, but it has also um, uh, established itself as the um, mediation point for all intergalactic summits and Mm -hmm. uh, declared itself the capital of the solar system. Yes. I was getting there. Okay. Um, It is (laughs) basically... If you are on what is, let's call it, mutant UN territory, <laughs> you're good. Just don't step foot off of there, because at that point, you are subject to Iraqi law, and 
Uh, nobody guarantees your safety. <laughs> I mean, we remember Araku and the peop- and those folks from Ten of Swords, right? And that buildup. Um, yeah, like they're nothing but warriors. <laughs> well, and like the way this book describes their status quo is, yeah. this is the end of their history. They have known it, and the beginning of the biggest challenge they've ever faced being peaceful right yeah all they have known for millennia is war and survival yeah oh and by the way that permanent what they call it the uh the external gate right? yes um which was the permanent link that um uh apocalypse set up to other world mm-hmm. you know that that they couldn't get uh has been turned such that Krakoa and Araco are permanently uh, linked with a, with a yes. large gate. Yes. Uh, there is also farming land to replace what was lost in X-Corp number oh, one. Oh, far more of it, though. Yes. Yes. Uh, take that, Matt Damon, and your shitty space potatoes. <laughs> shitty space potatoes. Oh, boy. Matt Damon's space potatoes. There's the episode title. <laughs> Matt Damon's space potatoes. At the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like they form a whole ocean. I, like, good lord, yeah. man! Because one of the Iraqis' mutants' powers is he contains ocean oceans, an entire ocean biome, essentially. In literally, yeah. there are oceans inside of him, so he just pukes out an ocean onto Mars. <laughs> Great, <laughs> man. Anybody that ever messed with mutants, like, what the hell are you thinking? Good grief. <laughs> uh, I also like the little bit we get where uh, Magneto refers to mutant powers and one of the Iraqi council members refers to mutant weapons and Magneto tries to, like, correct. No, 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 we mean powers. You may mean powers. <laughs> exactly. We know what we said. Bay of the Blood Moon, I think it was. Or, or yeah. No, some, I can't remember who it was, but yeah. Um. Anyway, so so good. Like, and clearly, all of the uh, all of the other folks there who have witnessed this are, shall we say, concerned. <laughs> yeah. Uh, MVP though. MVP. Well, I don't know. I guess. I guess maybe just comic relief MVP of this issue goes to one Jamie Braddock. <laughs> yeah. Who uh, <laughs> manifests a sword. Sword two. Oh, oh, not not a sword, not like when you wield. No, the sword space station. A second one. He just gives birth to gives it. Birth to it. Good God, man! <laughs> Yikes! Things have escalated quickly, huh? Yes. Uh, speaking it, of, is, is it Gene that's there with him? Hang on. Yeah. And she's her, like, oh my god, he's taking me literally. Gene or Hope? It might have been Hope, actually. Uh, no, it's Gene. Okay. It is definitely Gene. Because Hope is also somewhere on planet, like, helping yeah. duplicate it's, powers. It's, it's Gene and uh, Quentin that are there. That's right. Yeah. And he, yeah, like, literally gives birth to a space station. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, yeah. Oh, and and then and then just creates a whole city. Yeah, yeah, space like place. you do, you know. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, let's Speaking... let's, let's be fair. Jamie is broken. His power set is broken. 
I feel like it's becoming a running gag. I start to segue and Brian says something else. <laughs> I know right. I can't cut those, so I have to acknowledge it. I love it. That's why I do it then. <laughs> I cut me. Speaking of things escalating quickly, New Mutants number 19. Oh. Written by Vita Ayala, art by Alex Lins, colors by Matt Miller, letters by Travis Lanham, designed by Tom Muller. It's a wonderful issue, and I love Vita Ayala. Me too. And I trust Vita Ayala. And I know, I know it will get better. But Vita Ayala has broken my goddamn heart. Yeah, pretty much. What the hell? Okay. I will say the, the 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 group chat text page was pretty amazing. I mean, everything in this issue was amazing. Yeah. I love it so much. It just it also broke my heart. Yeah, the whole warlock thing was great. <sighs> we uh we learned that uh the warlock thing was actually spectacular. I love Warpath. Warpath is so good. No joke, right? I feel like every issue we talk about how he's just fantastic. How do I love that uh, character so much now? Good writing, I guess so. Yeah, that'll I do, do, I do it love every the, time. I do love that the New Mutants Forever group chat is like the original eight New Mutants, though. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, minus one at the end of it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you get called out. You're gonna you, you start making waves. You're gonna get called out. That's how it works. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> Roberto. <sighs> yeah, the. Uh... I guess we kind of get our answer at least to whether or not Shadow King thinks he's doing the right thing. I mean, he definitely thinks he is. But um, I would argue that um, based on some actions that appear to have happened that I'm not on board with that thinking process. No. Um, my dude, you done a bad. Somebody certainly has. And hey, I am not above the idea that this that we're being led to think that it's him and it's really somebody else. That's true. So, That's certainly possible. But but this is not okay. What happens is let's be very very clear about this. This is this is not an okay thing to put in this comic book. <laughs> no, um, I don't want to spoil it. I will say like. Okay, it is something that has been seeded. It's something that I at least have expected. I think you have too, because we've had so much yeah. oh, discussion yeah. of, let's say, what would happen if this happened to this character, and that's the terrifying part of it. Um, it's also going to make one of the new X-Men roster members, uh, I don't want to say a wild card? In that book, but it's get definitely going to give them uh, some other things some on their motivation. plate. Extra motivation? Extra? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then can we just say how amazingly Jean deals with the um, the artist in this? I wanted everyone to punch that dude in the face. <laughs> just the fucking worst. But her- Oh my god, the she just eviscerates him though. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> I love Magic's reaction too. Just the Do you want to come teach lessons in, in limbo? <laughs> yes. Like essentially, um, yeah, no. Nobody cares and you're not important enough for it to matter. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Ouch. Uh 
Such a good book. So good. And then finally, we have X-Corp number two, written by Tini Howard, art by Alberto Foce, colors by Sonny Go, letters by Clayton Cowles, and design by Tom Muller. We're building a board, whether we want to or not. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. I, wow. I mean, I'm so torn because in some ways it makes perfect sense for this person to become a board member. In other yeah. ways, it terrifies me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the last time we saw this character, he was, what, pulling a two-man con with Mr. Sinister? Yeah, and um, uh, an arcade, right? But arcade was one of the ones getting conned. It was uh, Sinister fair and fair Mastermind fair pulling enough. the con. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, love, uh, I love that Jamie goes undercover as himself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, my. That... <laughs> That's genius. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> like, what better way to go undercover than, like, provide doppelgangers of yourself to do everything logistically and then just swap uniforms with them? <laughs> so that, yeah, you, you, yes, it's so good. Um, oh, and then, then we get Fenris, who is always awful. They're the worst. Yeah. I, I, do, I do love Monet shutting them down, though. Of course. It is always fine to beat up Nazis. <laughs> well, the the other thing I love is her pointing out that um yeah, it's not it's not just that we don't like what we're against you because we don't like what you do. You're irrelevant now. Yeah. Oh, wow. So good. Take that creepy incest twins. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Targaryen's got nothing on them. No. Is it still good? Yes, still good. What we got? Destiny New York number four. As the first arc comes to its end, Logan and Lilith sort out uh, their fates for now, at least. But there are more arcs a-coming. Luna number five. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder the many deaths of lila star number three brian yeah lila and darius meet again at a party while a cigarette uh narrates and um alex did you happen to catch the rom v graffiti i did yeah that was good i, I love that little that was a little fun little nod yeah I, I love this book so much. Yes. Like this is almost definitely going to be on my list at the end of I, the year. I think so too. I think my, on mine also. Seven Secrets, number nine. The Keepers, the Order, make it to safe ground uh, while there is a, let's say, hostile takeover among the Seekers. Infinite Frontier Secret Files, number five, Brian. We, we finally get the character inspection of Mr. Bones himself in this one. Superman, red and blue, number four. Uh, you guys know the drill. I will point out a couple of highlights. We had a Mitzit Spitlick story in which Superman visits the fifth dimension to irritate Mixie. Written by Mark Wade with art by Audrey Mock, colors by Jordi Belair and letters by Dave Sharp. Uh, a Francis Manipole written, drawn, colored story called Prospect of Tomorrow with letters by Dave Sharp. Uh, anytime there is Francis Manipole art, it is worth it just to stare at. 
Try not to drool on it, though. That's bad for paper. Uh, the last story of the issue is called Hashtag Saved by Superman, written by Rich Doak, art and colors by Joe Quinones, and letters by Dave Sharp. Uh, I love the premise of this, which feels like something Superman would have to deal with if he lived in our world. While trying to film a dumb video... Uh, an Instagram influencer falls off the Daily Planet and Superman saves him, thus saw, thus spawning the Saved by Superman challenge. Oh my which, god. like, triples Superman's workload because people keep, like, throwing themselves off buildings to see if he'll save them. And, of course, he does, because Superman. Oh my god. That is... Right? That is the most horribly real thing yeah (laughs) the silver coin number three uh ed brisson joins the team for this issue uh we learned that the coin might be trying to make its way home stillwater number eight we learned the secret history of the town's sheriff captain america annual number one this is the second part of infinite destinies cap and black widow try to track down overtime and answer the question, is he unlucky or a black hat? Fantastic Four, number 33. Hey, Brian. Mm-hmm. You know what's a really bad idea to do, like, I don't know, a few nights before Doctor Doom's wedding? A bachelor party? No. Sleeping with his fiance. Oh, shit. Want to guess which member of the Fantastic Four did that? Gee, uh, Johnny? <laughs> yup. Duh. <laughs> who is who is his fiance? Is it the uh, Spearwilder? Yep, Victorious. There you go. Yep. Okay. The Mighty Valkyries, number three. Uh with Loki's help, Carnilla weaves her children's and Jane's fates together, while Runa realizes that she needs to make her way. Uh, back to Earth to help Jane out. Miles Morales, Spider-Man, number 27. Miles tries to head off the clones before they ruin his life even more. And finally, Resident number 10. Pax uh, makes his way home to find, well, everything on fire. Uh, This is the series wrap-up. If you are a fan of Sweet Tooth, especially if you like the comic itself, I would check this out. Uh, if this does well in trade, we could maybe get more of it. But it's got that kind of like post-apocalyptic good dad and kids dealing with like just kind of the brutality of existing. It's it's definitely more the tone of the comic than the TV show, Sweet Tooth. Okay. Uh, but I dug it. Cannot recommend it enough. It's a great book. This week's books. It is once again a heavy week. Nature yes. is healing. Good Luck, number one of five, written by Matthew Ehrman, art and colors by Stefano Simeone, and letters by Mike Fiorentino. Uh, Matthew Ehrman, you may recognize from Witchblood, uh, from Vault, which we are loving right now, mm-hmm. to the point that I actually forgot to remind myself what Good Luck is about. I just remember being very excited for it at solicitations and throwing it on my pull list. I, I want to say it's like, luck is like a quantifiable something that can like be exchanged or used up or something like that that sounds right i am 
pulling up that solicitation now because I am a monster and bad at my job <laughs> sometimes. Eh, you know. What if luck was quantifiable and something everyone was born with? That's right. And then there are the people who are born without any luck. Oh, that's and this right. is about yes, them. Yes, yes, I knew yes. there was one more piece there. Yep. Very excited for that. We have checkmate number one of six, the long simmering yeah, Brian Michael Bendis, way. Alex Maleev miniseries. Yeah. Uh Dave Stewart colors, not sure who letters. Uh this is slightly reimagined given everything that has happened with you know continuity rebooting ish debooting was that a deboot can we coin the term deboot <laughs> deboot i love it continuity debooted and now everything's happened again uh so this is slightly reimagined but this is about oliver queen funding a secret organization to head off leviathan Infinite Frontier, number one of six, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Hermonico, color is by Romulo Fajardo Jr. Again, not sure who the letterer is yet. Uh, this is our big event book of the Infinite Frontier era, yep. picking up on the threads introduced in Infinite Frontier Zero. Yeah, this would be good. It is. I am very excited. Mm -hmm. Wonder Woman, black and gold, number one of six. Uh, you are by now familiar with the hero colon color palette format, I'm hero sure. Colon color palette. I love that. We have now entered a, a template phrasing for titles, yes. I mean, if you if you got a better way to describe it, nope. I'll uh, take it. You, you've got all the, all the black and whites. You've got the black, white, and reds. You've got the black, white, and bloods. You've got the... <laughs> The red and, red blue, and blue, the black the and gold. Black and gold, yeah. That's all. Yeah. This this happens Can't, to be the black and gold category. Yeah. Cannot wait for uh well I was gonna say Riddler green and purple, but let's be realistic. <laughs> It'll be either Lex Luthor or Joker yeah. green and purple first. Yep. Uh this is written by AJ Menendez, Nadia Shamas, John Arcudi, Amy Reader, and Becky Clunan. With art and colors by Ming Doyle, Morgan Beam, Ryan Suk, Amy Reeder, and Becky Clunan. Letters by Becca Carey, Ariana Marr, Michael Heisler, Gabriella Downey, and Pat Brousseau. Yeah, it's going to be uh, the Good Wonder Woman anthology. Now, Brian, the next one I know you're excited yeah. to irritate me by avoiding. <laughs> Spinning out of Brian's favorite book to irritate me by avoiding, <laughs> Immortal Hulk, comes Gamma Flight, number one of five. Written by Al Ewing and Crystal Frazier, art by Lan Medina, colors by Antonio Fabella, and letters by Joe Sabino. Teasing Brian aside, uh, Immortal Hulk is very good, and yeah. this is following the Gamma Flight team now that they have pissed off Henry Peter Gyrick and are kind of on the run themselves. I mean, I figure I will 100% read this in two weeks, so I'm always one week behind on Yeah, <laughs> that sounds right. That sounds incredibly accurate. There you go. Marvel's Voices Pride number one comes out this week with stories written by Alan Heinberg, Mariko Tamaki, Lila Sturgis, Leah Williams, Crystal Frazier, Kieran Gillen, Terry Bloss, Anthony Oliveira, J.J. Kirby, Tini Howard, Vita Ayala, Steve Orlando, and Jacopo Kamanyi. With art by Jim Chung, Chris Anka, Derek Charm, John Basildua, Jethro Morales, Jen Hickman, Paulina Ganeshow, Javier Garon, J.J. Kirby, Samantha Dodge, Joanna Estep, Brittany L. Williams, Claudia Aguirre, Luciano Vecchio, and Jacopo Camagni. 
and Colors by Marcelo Maiolo, Tamara Bonvillain, Brittany Peer, Eric Arseniega, Rochelle Rosenberg, Kindle Good, David Curiel, J.J. Kirby, and Jacopo Kamani. And the issue is lettered by Ariana Marr. Again. Go letters. <laughs> Karen, all that work. I love it. Lots of great creators in there. Super excited. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, this should be good. And finally, mm-hmm. Black Hammer Reborn, number one. Brian, you want to take this one? Yeah, it's uh, written by Jeff Lemire. The art is Caitlin Yarsky. Uh, colors are Dave Stewart, and letters are Nate uh, Piekos. Uh, this is the Black Hammer universe, I think, like 25 years later. Um, we get uh, his daughter has, uh, you know, had the mantle now, and I think uh, it's even going to touch on possibly starting with her children cool yeah should be fun and that will do it for us this week we would like to thank chase parker for our intro voiceover panelology is a member of the certain pov network if you're looking for other cool podcasts about popular culture check out certainpov.com. you can visit us at panelologypodcast.com support us on patreon at patreon.com slash panelology get merch at bit.ly slash panelology merch capital p capital m or send us questions, comments, or whatever at bit.ly slash panelology mailbag, capital P, capital M. I'm Alex. And I am Brian. Go read comics. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.